Every gamer has that one game they want all of their friends to play. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's obscure. Or maybe it's the game that everyone is playing. Whatever it is, it's that one game you love to talk about. Join us as we ask each other to try this game. We're going to do something a little bit differently today. Instead of talking about two games, trying to pitch them to each other, we're going to have a discussion. We're talking about games we love, so maybe it's time we answered the question, what makes a good game? And that's going to be different for you, and it's going to be different for me. And big, bigger discussions like this, I think, first off, they break things up for us so that it's not always just two uh, games per episode. It's something different. After all, we've been talking about the games we love and why we love them. And we talking, you know, talking about all these different things about games. So let's, instead of talking about two particular games, let's just talk about games. Okay. So, so the topic for today's discussion, Klaus, is what makes a game good? So if I ask you that right off the bat, Adam, what makes a game good for you? What's one thing you would say? I need to have something that I mean, it's very simple. What makes a game good for me is is something that compels me to keep playing it. And that could be a couple of different things. I mean, I I personally feel like story and gameplay, if we're looking at those two as like reasons to play a game, they're weighted very similarly for me. I a game can be the most gorgeous thing in the world, but if all it is is graphics, I, I really don't care if the if the story is not there and the gameplay isn't there. If something's gorgeous and has really tight, good solid feeling gameplay then all right yeah i want to play this for the the spectacle of it for mm-hmm. just the the experience of doing this thing if something has an outstanding story like we're like we're talking like an old old bioware before they were bought out by ea uh if if we're if we're dealing with an amazing story then yeah i'll, I'll keep playing i don't if the controls are kind of jank fine whatever i'm not here for the controls i'm here for the story yeah. i'm here to okay. what i'm being told yeah, and I'm kind of similar. Like for me, like as an example, story. The story has to be compelling. I have to really like the story. I, when I play a shooter, like even Call of Duty, because before I, I acquired my unfortunate problem with motion sickness, I played all the Call of Duties. The last one I played, I think, was Black Ops Three, but that didn't really. I don't think it even had a story. But Black Ops Two did. That's actually where I started. Sort of, I started to have issues and I don't think I ever finished that campaign mm. but I want to know why I'm shooting all these people in the face mm-hmm. like I, you know for Modern Warfare 2 which I think is kind of the breakaway for that series the story is dumb it's a Michael yes. Bay World War 3 story it's beyond dumb but it's still a story and I understand why I'm doing this I am re- I am retaking this oil platform from invading Russian forces mm. I am chasing someone through the favelas of brazil or whatever why am i doing this i have to have like you say a compelling reason to play Mm -hmm. and i you know that again that's going to depend on the type of game like for dungeon keeper which is an older game and sort of a newer spiritual successor dungeons 2 which i think is on our list 
you're whatever you're the bad guy you're building a dungeon you're trying to defeat the good guys i don't care beyond that because any story beyond that's going to be really thin whatever but when it comes to a game where i embody the character like where i'm controlling an assassin in the assassin's guild or an operative in a you know in a ghost recon game or whatever i have to know why i'm doing something otherwise why do i care you know what i mean like i have to i have to i have to care enough about the story to want to see where it goes. Uh, and it's the same with like uh, an action movie. I don't mm. care how good the action is. If I don't care what the character's up to, what am I watching? Right. So yeah, so I, I totally get it when, when you say uh, the story is good. What You mentioned graphics. What is it for you about graphics that would make a game good? Is it fidelity? Is it aesthetic? Is it, I don't know what, bombacity? <sighs> oh man. Um... I think that it really depends. Like, I think that for me, I enjoy a game that chooses a aesthetic direction and goes with it. There's, um, like, if if you want to play a game that's a '80s throwback game, it's it's going to look like an '80s throwback game, yeah. and I want it to embrace that and lean into it and not half-ass it. Uh, yeah, yeah. If if I'm playing something that's meant to be photorealistic then guess what i want this thing to be photorealistic i want it to look the way that you want it or the way that you pitched it to me to look mm -hmm. and if it doesn't look that way then a photorealistic game that's 10 percent off looks way worse than like a 32-bit game that's 20 percent mm -hmm. off yeah because it's because it's because the older games are much more messy Exactly. You're, yeah. You've got that forgiveness factor when you're when you're trying to design something, and that's why I think that games like Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker is one of the games that has aged the best over oh, time. Oh yeah, that's a beautiful like, game. That oh, yeah, it, that came out on the GameCube, and that mm -hmm. still is a knockout of a game. It's the reason why World of Warcraft you can still look at and go, man, this still looks great. Admittedly, they've done like engine updates and, oh, and yeah, world yeah, updates yeah. and things like that. Much but, prettier than it used to be incredibly much prettier but it still follows that same aesthetic design yeah and it's still got the same core tenets to its graphics yeah and I, i'm much the same way like for me how impressive a graphics are are less important than the aesthetic so I'll give you an example i played assassin's creed odyssey and assassin's creed origins and now that i think about it syndicate as well at very low settings because i just don't have the rig for it and i don't care because it still looks great and it's going for that realistic vision, and I'm cool with that. I don't care that every bell and whistle is missing. We talked about Satellite Rain, and, and you played it at super high fidelity, and I didn't. But I don't think my game experience was any less for it, because you're looking for that vaporwave art form, which is a term mm -hmm. I learned from you, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it does it well. Like it doesn't. Like, here's an example. Let's say I didn't barf at first-person shooters. I would be all in on Cyberpunk 2077, bugs aside, and you know that's its own little issue. That game I would want to see at its best because I think that at lower res it just becomes boring. I think that game is all about the fidelity, high res, so yeah. it's about experiencing the world. Whereas with War, uh, with Mountain Blade, that game looks like garbage, but I'm okay with that because it's going for an aesthetic, and it and I I respect that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or the original XCOM, like the original one from 1994. That game looks like it was made in 1994. It's got a comic <laughs> book look to it. It's very pixelated, but I'm fine with that. 
I don't need it to be prettier. No, um, I, I think that there's also a lot to be said for understanding of games that are of their era. Mm-hmm, like absolutely. That, that Mountain Blade looks like a game that was trying to be ambitious from a third-party dev in 2009. Yeah. Uh, XCOM looks like a game that was trying to be ambitious from a third-party developer in 94. Yeah, like they, they are emblematic of their era, so they, you have to give that leniency to games like that. You can't expect them to hold to the same standard. Sure, and, and in some cases, improving the fidelity of the graphics, in fact, is the opposite. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. A good example castles which is a game we're going to do that's very pixelated it was a pc game in the early 90s we are going to do it at some point they tried to improve it years later someone made a game called crusader kings and they went with the modern at the time 3d version where everything is shiny and smooth Mm -hmm. and it looks terrible it doesn't look nearly as good as the hand-drawn graphics from castles Mm -hmm. so i'm much more interested in an aesthetic that i like than cranking the graphics to the maximum and making them look as awesome as awesome can be and it has to you know an aesthetic has to appeal to me so mountain blade the aesthetic did not appeal to me i respect it but it didn't appeal to me mm-hmm. whereas the aesthetic of the original XCOM does despite mm-hmm. the fact that they look like they were made at about the same time even <laughs> obviously they were not they're 15 years apart but yeah in terms of graphics it's much more about do I like the way it looks as opposed to do I like the the high res, sh- you know, super shadows, anti-aliasing, and mm-hmm. what's the latest what's the latest awesomeness, uh, vector gra- no not vector graphics ray tracing oh, ray tracing like yeah. I'm sure that's all really nice and there's probably a few games where that would maybe get me on board more like Cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. again assuming I didn't bar from the keyboard but for most of these games it's more about does it look cool than it doesn't look good if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. One of the the biggest things in a, when it, when someone asks me, is this game good? For me, it always comes down to one thing. Do I feel like I'm in control? And I'll give you an okay. example. When I played FTL for our, our podcast, they were throwing so much stuff at me. And again, because I, I was an idiot and I didn't play the tutorial at first because I didn't see it on the menu because I'm dumb. I felt so out of control because I didn't understand what they were asking me to do. And oh, here's information here and here's information there. Press this and move that. And and I I remember going, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? Like, I felt like I wasn't in control. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to be not in control even when you're getting your butt kicked. Like, I was able to play the first 10 minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You're a kid. You are absolutely not in control because you start the game as a child. But you feel as though you are even though you're being dragged along on this journey, you can still control your character and you understand what you need to do with him and you understand how to move him. Like you don't feel like the game is doing its own thing and you're just there to watch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I like to feel like I'm in control. I am making the decisions, even if the game is going to cast me at an airlock or I'm going to watch my parents die or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being in control of the story and being in control of the game. And I right. must be in control of the game. Like yeah. a, with a real-time strategy game, I hate games where I don't get to control everything, which is mm-hmm. why I'm not a huge fan of League of Legends. I, I like the game, but I'm never going to like it as much as a traditional RTS because all I get to do is control one dude. Mm-hmm. I want to build the base, and I want to decide how I build that base, and I want to decide uh, where things go, and I want to decide what my priorities are. Uh, did you ever play an RTS called The Battle for Middle-Earth? 
Uh, yes, I did actually. Yeah, the first or the second one? Which one did you play? I think I played the first one. Okay. I think I'm, I'm sure that I probably played the second one at some point, but I distinctly remember playing the first. Yeah, so I played them both, and, and it's, it's too bad. I don't think you can even buy them anymore. I have the second one on a on a DVD, and so mm. I have to use like an old style cracked EXE to play it because who the hell has a CD on their computer anymore? Yeah. Um, the first one I didn't mind, but you had to remember you the way it would be built is your base would have you choose a base site. And then if you wanted uh, walls, the walls build up around you yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. You didn't get to choose what those walls were. You didn't get to choose the shape or the size. You just, you chose which uh, which buildings you wanted, and they just built where the computer decided they would build. And then you'd build your armies and go out and knock down another site and do it again. Right. Whereas in the Battle for Middle-Earth 2, which is a magnificent game, because it really gives you the feel like you're you're controlling armies in this world. You could build your buildings wherever you wanted, and you can build that wall around whatever you wanted, in whatever shape you want. And yes, there were locations based on, okay, you get like, well, here you'll get like 90% of effectiveness versus 80%, so obviously you choose the 90. Mm. Uh, but other than that, it was like a traditional RTS. And so that's why I liked it more, because I was in control of what happened with that base. Right. You know what I mean? I could decide that I want all my barracks in one corner and then I want to build turrets here. I feel like I'm in control and that makes for a good, well, a good game. Right. I, for me, I don't mind not having control of everything that's going on around me. If, especially if it's character driven, like if something is, is character driven, mm -hmm. I want to feel that it's it's got a higher authenticity fact okay. like um i i think that with kingdom come deliverance you you have so little control over things that are going on around you but mm -hmm. it feels genuine you know okay. you're you're a kid from a village your your village gets burned down you need to go and and develop your way into into a local guard at a nearby city and then yeah. work your way from that guard into the into the king's private army and, and you don't get to control things you're told like your character gets the orders and then you have to go and act that out and i'm i'm oh, fine yeah, but with you're still that. in control of your character right like yeah you know like I, you, you get to move your character around mm -hmm. you're not your character isn't being dragged along on rails no uh, well i mean yes but <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> like like story story rails yeah yeah, yeah uh, that's fine yeah, yeah. Other than that, you've you've got you know autonomy. You choose where you want to go and how you want to do things. Uh, but I think that for me, a lot of that comes down to the, how the game controls uh, the gameplay. Like if if I can go wherever and do whatever I want, but it feels like I'm trying to move through slime while I'm doing it the entire yeah. time, I I don't enjoy it. And on top of that, I I really do tend to think that single-player purely story-driven games that are linear have have a perfectly good place not everything needs to be open world go yeah. everywhere do what you like I agree. Uh, there's yeah there's there's an amount of freedom that is just too much in games at times okay um yeah yeah it, it, you know it's interesting i like i'm a huge fan of the assassin's creed series mm -hmm. and in those games yeah there's a story and there's yeah there's side quests mm -hmm. but 
you know, I like that they, they found a good balance. A good example is uh, Origins. It's always the one I'll come back to. It's, it's my favorite. It takes place in Ptolemaic, Egypt. Uh, Egypt, sorry. I'm, I'm used to the Latin, Egyptus. That's the actual, that's what they called it, but that's what the Romans called it. But You're in Ptolemaic, used to it? I have a degree in ancient and medieval history. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, back in my day in Ptolemaic, Egypt, when I when I rubbed elbows with, you know, Cleopatra and, mm. and Caesar, it, it found a good, it's a good balance. Like, there was the main storyline, which is, you avenging the death of your son and, and and that sort of thing and and helping Cleopatra retake the throne and dealing with Caesar, blah, blah, blah. But there's all these side quests. And if on a certain day you decided, you know what, I don't feel like doing any quests, I could pick a direction and say, go. And I just ride my camel for an hour in one direction and I found some wild things. Like I found this this wild glitch in the system, which is, you know, if you don't understand Assassin's Creed, don't worry about it. It's this canyon in the middle of nowhere. And it's like I would never have found that if I didn't look at the map and say, there's nothing down there. I want to see what's there, yeah. you know, and I could just sort of wander and do stuff. Or, you know, the day I found a boat in the middle of the desert, mm -hmm. nothing going on there, but there's a boat there in the middle of the desert. Obviously it had been there a long time. And I spent an hour just looking around. There was nothing there, just the boat mm -hmm. and some stuff. But I had the option of, do I want to do story today? Do I want to do secondary missions? Do I want to do collectibles? Do I just want to go and cause trouble? You know, mm -hmm. hey, there's a fort. Let me kill everything in there. That's not me. Or do yeah. I want to just wander? I like that, but I don't mind a story that grabs me by the nose and pulls me along. I'm okay with that. But it depends what the expectations are. Like in an Assassin's Creed, don't do that to me. Mm -hmm. Don't drag me along by the nose. I resent that. It's probably why I don't like Assassin's Creed 3, because it yeah. drags you around by the nose. Whereas if I were playing, like I'm playing uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong, which is a uh, an isometric role-playing game, and I think we're going to do those as well. Mm -hmm. You have a mission. Go on that mission. You are literally going through what amounts... They, it looks like a city, but let's be honest, it's a linear maze. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you'll go here, you'll turn down this street, you have no choice. I'm sure eventually that'll open up as I just started. I don't mind that because it's telling a story to me. Yeah. So I don't mind a story that drags me along. I'm cool with that. As long as I feel, if I feel that I have to make that next step. Right. You know, I don't feel like, maybe control for me is about not being overloaded with stuff. And that's what FTL mm. did to me. Wait, okay. I don't understand. Wait, no, stop. No, hold on. No, no, what's going on here? And eventually you just hit Alt F4 and you say, I'll come back in 10 minutes. Yeah. I, that's I frustrating. Think, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I feel like that's a conceit of niche games mm -hmm. because with a niche game you need to learn a very specific control scheme yes i i feel that when i start playing uh the first xcom xcom ufo defense uh, yeah. it's like okay there's a whole bunch of buttons here they all do something very specific i need to deal with that i need to make sure that i'm i'm loading my guys out i need to make sure that i'm okay where where are the enemies i don't know okay they're they're not waiting for me they're okay well <laughs> yes yeah. There was a it, tutorial that came with the manual. I probably should have hunted that down for you. That's my bad. But fine. yeah, no, it, it's that sense of control where you realize, am I the one playing this game or can I just <laughs> set down the controller? That used to piss me off. I tried playing Metal Gear Solid 2 because everyone was playing that when the for the PlayStation 2, so I bought it right. too. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm, I'm 20 minutes into this cutscene. Like, do I get to make any decisions here or should I just come back? Yeah, that's, you know, like, uh, that's Hideo what am I doing? Kojima. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. And that's it, a very special weirdness. But... I hate games where I wonder whether they care whether I'm playing it or whether they just wanted my money and, and they hope I'll just press play and kick back. Like, what mm -hmm. am I doing here? Yeah, that's uh, it, for me. The I think the pinnacle example of that is playing Dungeons and Dragons with a DM 
who's got a story to tell and that's what they want to do they want to tell their story yeah and, they're and you going are not to, getting away from that yeah yeah you are you're doing what the dm wants you to do and i don't give a damn what else you want to do you're not going to that town that town yeah i know it exists but you don't get to go there right now there's a roadblock <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know it's funny because I'm I'm trying to get into D and D, and so I, I picked up Curse of Strahd, and I, I get that's a story, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, how do you balance? Of course, I've, I haven't played a role playing game in a thousand years. How mm-hmm. do you balance between players who decide yes, we want to do this campaign, but we'd also like to check out other stuff along the way? How do you balance that with I have this carefully crafted story I want you to play, mm-hmm. and I, I feel that's the same problem with games is that. There comes a point where the, the developer maybe says, come here, and they drag you along by the nose and you're kicking and screaming. Well, at that point, you're fighting the game, so it's not a game anymore. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a conflict. Another thing is that, and this is a very particular thing for me, for a game to be good, it must be well-written. And maybe that's because I'm an author. The game that a friend bought me for my birthday called Of Orcs and Men. Do you know this game? It sounds very familiar. I'm sure that I've seen it. But... They made a sequel called Styx, Master of Shadows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same character. But of Orcs and Men is very different. You play an orc and also a goblin. Okay. And it's a neat story. It doesn't really matter. But it was a neat idea for a story. And you move these two characters, and the conceit of this game is that it's an action game, but it's turn-based. So you tell your orc, swing high and be aggressive. And you tell your goblin, be stealthy and stab from the bottom. So it's... Mm-hmm. And, and then the round of that you know, that melee combat plays out and then you do it again until someone is defeated and then you move along in real time and carry on more of the story and then eventually you get into another fight. Okay. What killed me and I had to stop playing is that the dialogue is bad. Mm. I don't mean it's a little bit bad or the dialogue is pedestrian. I mean the dialogue is was written by two junior high kids. Ah, okay. And it's terrible. And the actors did what they could. Mm-hmm. But the dialogue is so bad. It's not like if you've ever seen the original, of course you have, the original Star Wars Episode Four, the yes. dialogue is nothing to write home about. No. And at times, every once in a while, you just go, ugh. But it's mm. such an amazing experience, and of course, it's my, I've lived my whole life around Star Wars, even though mm. I'm a Trekkie, so I, I'm forgiving. But in this game, the dialogue was so bad. It was mm-hmm. so cringe-inducing. It was like reading bad junior high creative writing fiction. Mm-hmm. I had to stop playing the game, despite the fact that it was beautiful and it played wonderfully. And it was a cool storyline. The idea that orcs are an oppressed minority at the hands of humans, but actually it's the elves who are essentially dark elves who are behind the scenes, pushing the humans buttons and mm-hmm. uh, very, very neat story turning on its head where the orcs are the oppressed, though that's very much what Warcraft three was too, Yes, but which was again, also a flipping, uh, you know, sort of a flipping of the script. But the dialogue was so bad that I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. And so that game will always sit unplayed. Because it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And that for me is like, I'm sorry, that's a bad game. Everything else about it is awesome. And maybe 99% of the world doesn't give a damn and will play. Mm-hmm. But I just can't get past like that's a that is an unpassable barrier for me. Bad mm. dialogue. Or awful dialogue. Right. See, and for me, if I'm reading a book, mm-hmm. I care about how it's written. Certainly. If I'm playing a game and the dialogue's bad, I can write it off as bad dialogue as long as there are other things that still compel me to play. Mm-hmm. If if the gameplay is still good enough that, you know what, fine, whatever. I don't care about what they're trying to say right now. I care about how good this feels to win mm-hmm. and move through. 
then yeah. I I can let that be my guiding light for a game. Okay. But it take it takes a lot for me to be able to just completely write off a game based on based on how it's written. Mm-hmm. I I can't think of a game that I have that I've played some games with not not great not great dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is the only game I can think of where I've gone, okay, I just mm-hmm. can't take this anymore. Yeah. Uh, when I'm constantly rewriting the dialogue in my head to sound better, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with bad dialogue. You ever play Red Alert 3? Uh, I didn't actually play the third one. I played a lot <laughs> of two, but I didn't play three. Okay, so the third one, these, these games are known, Command & Conquer Red Alert, they're known for their, their over-the-top, utterly ridiculous yes. uh, dialogue. You know, and at one point when Tim Curry looks at the screen and says, I'm going to the last place in the universe, not uh, sullied by capitalism. I'm going into space. And it's ridiculous. (laughs) It's hard not to laugh your ass off. But Mm -hmm. they knew. They knew what they were writing was bad. Mm -hmm. They lean into it. And, of course, it's Tim Curry. And he just chews up the scenery as he goes. And I love it because they knew they were bad and they went for it. Yeah. As opposed to of orcs and men, that was bad because they were bad. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like in our other podcast. There's a difference between a bad movie that we can all laugh at, like Dungeon Master, and a bad movie that's just a bad movie. So why would we waste our time on it? Yeah, you know what I mean. A hundred percent. It's I can't. I'm trying to think of games that are that had something that was just like a massive deal breaker for me. And I'm I'm an, I acknowledge that I'm a bit of an odd duck with my game choices. Like I that's really. <laughs> I really enjoy games that give you the chance to fail, that want yeah. you to learn how they play. Like I I will defend till the day I die the Dark Souls series is one of the best series of games that I've ever played in my life because of plenty of people are with you. hundred percent. And I, I recognize that it's not for everyone, but I I think for me it's just if I get into something and it feels bad to play before I've even gotten to a point where the story might hook me like i can see where the story's gonna go i yeah. know okay we're 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 trugging along here and then there's going to be a hook in uh, 35 40 minutes yeah but it feels like a slog to get through that 35 40 minutes i'm done i'm out there's, there's just yeah. nothing for me here yeah uh, i can uh, i can absolutely uh, I, I can see that like there are games where i've been close like the, the example i always give outside of games is game of thrones Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I watched that, I walked away at the end of the second episode when um, Ned Stark killed the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to shut me down on a game? Show me animal cruelty, and I'm done. I will walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my biggest complaint about the Division series is that I can't turn off the dogs because it breaks my heart mm-hmm. to see those dogs wandering around hungry. Uh, yeah. Which yeah, I get it. They're digital game. They're, they're digital. It's not a real dog, but that's not the point. So th- the first time I watched that, I had to just stop uh, because I can't stand that sort of cruelty. Yeah. Uh, and then I stopped this and then I tried again and I got as far as the red wedding and I went, that's just disgusting. And I walked away. <laughs> uh, I had no issue with the death of people. I had an issue with the wine soaked grin that the director had on his face as he made you watch brutality uh, of yeah. a nature that it didn't need to be. But I eventually did watch it again and I actually got through all that, but I had to really power through it. So mm-hmm. in games, a good example is the Arkham series. Oh, what yeah. bothered me about those games when I first played them was Batman isn't the world's greatest detective, which, was, by the way, for the longest time was his moniker. Mm-hmm. Batman in the Arkham games is a armored, high-tech thug who yeah. beats everyone who gets in his path. Yeah. And it took me a while to get over that. But Arkham Asylum is such a compelling story 
And at some point, we'll have to do the Arkham games, I think. Absolutely. Because um, I love them all. But... Even Origins? I lo- Actually, it's my favorite. Um, oh, okay. Cool. I like Origins a lot, too, actually. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't gotten around to doing uh, Dark Knight because I'm having trouble with my system with it. But Or Arkham Knight, rather. Arkham Asylum, it had, it had a taste of the uh, Batman Arkham Asylum graphic novel, which is one of the best written comic stories I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And I was so interested in discovering the nature of this place and discovering the little bits from Amadeus Arkham, the man who founded it and all that sort of stuff. I was willing to overlook the the fight sequences. I don't like them. Yeah. But I love the predator sequences, they call them. Yes. You know, where it's just you grab the guy and you knock him down and that's it. It's over. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those. And so I was willing to power through the utter violence of this game. Which is weird because in Assassin's Creed, you're not an assassin. You're the world's worst mass murderer. Yeah. And I actually have fun with that. You know, so it's it's very context driven, mm-hmm. but cruelty bothers me. And sadism bothers me. And cruelty towards animals bothers me. And misogyny in a game. I, I very rarely encounter racism because no one's that stupid. But yeah. misogyny in a game is a quick way to make me go away. Like mm-hmm. the Duke Nukem games were in a time when, you know, shooters were simple. Uh, There's yeah. Doom and there was Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem, believe it or not, had a story and I put that in air quotes. <laughs> but it was deeply misogynistic and that was enough to make me go, I'm done now. And yeah. I walked away and never came back. I'm not interested in that. I like a game that treats its characters with respect. Mm-hmm. And I have a problem with characters that uh, mo- most games treat their characters uh, neither with disrespect or respect. They treat them, they're uninterested in their characters. They're just a way to drag you through the story. But I have a, a particular issue when you when a, when characters, especially women, minorities, and whatnot, are treated with desperate disrespect. It seems like the devs are punching down, and I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Same with I don't like to play a bully. Right, okay. You know, you know what I mean? I don't like to be the bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't like to be evil. Which is, I mean, okay, dungeons, Dungeon Keeper, where you play the, the evil at the heart of a dungeon defending against... Like, that's parody. It's ridiculous. Of course mm-hmm. it is. But I don't like to be a bad person. I can't be... I can't play Grand Theft Auto for that reason. I'm right. not interested in being a drug dealer. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Whereas I loved... Uh, what was the name of that first-person shooter uh, where you did the bank heists? Oh, Payday. Payday. I love those games. But mm-hmm. they're silly. You know, I mean, I mean, the, the level I love the most was essentially stolen out of the movie Heat. But you're not a character; you're just a guy with a gun. Mm-hmm. But in Grand Theft Auto, you're a bad guy, and I can't be that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So where, where? I'm just curious. Where do you draw that line for being a bad guy? Because even even on this podcast, we've done Satellite Rain, and yeah, we you're not the we good can guy. Yeah. we can both fully admit that you're the bad guy in that story. Holy hell, yeah! Mostly because there's no character. Okay. And there's no real story. Uh, Quickly, that's, that's tell me fair. the name. Tell me the name of your your assassin. Do you remember? Did you ever know? I I don't think that I knew what any of the names of each of the assassins were, as they consistently changed. Yeah, and I don't think I even I, I don't even know whether they gave them names. They're not characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a strategy game. Yeah. Whereas Edward Kenway, who is the oh yeah, main yeah. character from Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag, mm-hmm. he's a prick. Mm-hmm. But. I could choose not to do evil things if I wanted to. Right. You know what I mean? I had agency, and that's part of the control thing. But okay. the characters in Grand Theft Auto V, which I think I have because Epic gave it away for free, but I've never right. played it, and I'm never going to play the single-player campaign because I'm not interested in being a drug dealer because I know what drugs do. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen the the horrors they 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 create. I'm not interested in that. I'm sorry. Or, you know, the one thing about uh, Game of Thrones is that I love the back and forth of the uh, the characters. It was very much watching a dynastic struggle and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are no good people in that in that show. No, not at all. I'm okay. No. That's true. Uh, John no. John Snow is pretty good. John Snow is a good person. I feel like Arya Stark is never a bad person. She's, she's a monster. I think she's a monster. She's a psychopath. She's very much driven for Good. revenge. Yeah. And and I get that's compelling for some people, but I look mm-hmm. at her and I say, you're a monster. I wouldn't want to meet you. I wouldn't want to sit across the table from you. Mm-hmm. None of these people, again, other than maybe Ned Stark, but the more you learn about him, the more you realize he's actually kind of a dick like everyone else. Oh, he's uh, a dick, yeah. Yeah, but Jon Snow is a genuinely good guy because he has the least... And he has no expectation of ever getting more, so he just tries to do what's right. Because there's nothing else for him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he was raised to be a good man because he was never going to be a wealthy man or a powerful man. But mm-hmm. other than that, everyone's a dick. Everyone's a monster. Everyone deserves what they get. Cersei deserves what she gets. Jamie deserves what he gets. Uh, their, their monster of a son, my God, does he deserve what he gets. And mm-hmm. he should have gotten twice as much. Everyone, <laughs> like, no one is a good person here. And I, I have problem with games where they create character. They create emotional investment in who a character is as opposed to this is a random person with a gun who maybe has a voice actor you know and batman is batman you know what he is you invest you know your whole lifetime worth of understanding your understanding of who batman is and you throw that into arkham okay mm-hmm. or uh you know ghost recon wildlands which i love where you can be a monster and you can gun down civilians you can create all sorts of carnage but if you but i can't do that i can't be that guy i always was careful to take the battle away from the civilians right because I can't be cruel. I don't like being cruel. And maybe it's the more character there is in a, in a well, in the person you're playing, or the, the more emotion, the more fleshed out, the closer to being a three-dimensional character they are, the less tolerant I am of the cruelty and everything else. Whereas Satellite Rain, it's just four robots in a, you know, four, four cyborgs in a city full of, you know, pixels. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's so... Yeah, I I think that there's a lot to be said, personally for me at least, for subversive storytelling elements. I'm I'm never going to play Near Automata. It's spelled N I E R A U T O M A T A. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, but from our my understanding of the game is that you play through it once, you get to an ending, something incredibly traumatic happens, and then you start in the new game plus, and okay. things are slightly different, and you're seeing them through a fresh pair of eyes literally like things are things are changed from your yeah. first playthrough and it recontextualizes literally everything that you do mm-hmm. and you see that the the first time around you were you know blinded by the people you were led by and you were actually the bastard and i think yeah. that that is one of the most compelling storytelling styles yeah see that sounds neat like you know it, it's sort of like uh and i always bring it back to assassin's creed there's assassin's mm-hmm. creed uh rogue where you play yeah. a uh you, you what do you call uh, it you were a french uh french resistance fighter weren't you or something no 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 a rogue uh, that's the one where you uh you play a templar during the french and indian war uh, oh, right, and, also, right. and also the beginning of three where you don't realize you're a templar until like five hours in which i yeah. thought was brilliant but in both of those cases they do they're doing what they think is right and, they, and they're trying to do what they think is right for humanity mm-hmm. and they're not monsters 
until you realize, like in, in Assassin's Creed 3, when you suddenly are flipped and you realize, wow, they wiped out an entire village. And then you get to take revenge on those people. You yeah. get to exact justice on them. And I was okay with that. And, and the paradigm shift, like the way you're talking about where you play through the whole game and you realize, oh my God, I was the bad guy. That's cool. Mm -hmm. It's when they relish in the fact that you are the bad guy and they want you to make cruel decisions. Okay. I have issues with that. Okay. Then again, I'm playing a game called DEFCON, which is made to look like the end scene from uh, the 1983 game War Games, which is about nuclear war. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a great game, but it's all abstract. Right. I'm not interested in seeing little children burn to death in nuclear fire. Sorry, mm -hmm. no. Things like that just don't do it for me. I can't be. Right. What it is, I don't ever want to feel that even if I'm playing the bad guy, I don't want to feel that I am the bad guy. Right. Which is like that, you know that movie Wreck-It Ralph? Whether yeah. it be uh, the support group, and it says you can be the bad guy oh, yeah. <laughs> without being a bad guy. Yeah. And as much as you, you know, we may laugh at that because it's silly, because it's from a kids' movie. That's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. In a game, it's okay to be the antagonist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to be evil. Like, and you could be evil. Like, I'm waiting for Evil Genius Two to come out. You're the evil genius. You're trying to take over the world. Right. It's, it's tongue in cheek and it's fun and it has fun with it. Yeah. But when when you create a an accuracy and a fidelity and a realism. I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to be able to look myself in the mirror after I play this game. I want to be able to tell my non-gaming friends about a game and not be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, same reason I don't play uh, those icky hentai games that always pop up on Steam. <laughs> that and they're freaking gross, but you yeah. know. But, uh, <laughs> so what else makes a good game for you or a not good game by comparison? Is there anything one, else? One thing that I touched on i think was was challenge um something that kills a game for me in a hurry is following the crazy taxi arrow around okay i like i like games where you don't necessarily have a waypoint that takes you everywhere you go that doesn't hold your hand and say this is what you need to do next i like the sense of exploration and development um i think that's why i'll always just just kind of on the face of it like morrowind over skyrim for that well in, in Morrowind you get a journal entry you need to read that journal entry you need to look at it and say okay well it says I need to go to this city and then I need to go west from there until I find a cave on the cliffside okay I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna go west oh well there's a fork in the road okay well it says follow the cliffside so I'm gonna go that way whereas with Skyrim you have your waypoint arrow and you just go Skyrim hopping your way over the mountain by pressing forward and holding jump um you should try Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They have a mode for that too. I think they call it Explorer mode. Okay. They'll never give you a waypoint. That's you have nice. to read. You have to read carefully. I That's didn't nice. like it, but I mean, I mean I'm sure that would appeal to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that too. I don't like to be told. I don't. I don't mind the arrow sometimes, but I want to mm -hmm. have the option to choose it to to follow it. Right. But I can totally appreciate the leave me alone and let me do my thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not so much that. I'll just just leave me alone. Let me let me puddle around over here and do do whatever I want over here. It's mm. it feels like you you put the onus back on the player. Like, hey, mm. we need you to buy into the game a little bit. Yeah. With with that with the waypoint or the line on the ground or whatever you follow, it feels like you're you don't have to buy in as much. You don't have to make the investment of thinking about something. And I don't think that that's. I think there's a balance to be struck. Yeah. You know, there's there's a line where you go, okay, well, this is this is just not telling the player enough. This is not giving them the information that they need. But yeah. if you've got 
a treasure like even just a treasure map a treasure map is perfect because you have to stop and look at the map and go okay where am i well i need to figure this out okay i go this way as opposed to a floating marker on the ground you plod along behind for 20 minutes until you get to the place you need to go yeah i i think you and i fall slightly just slightly apart on that continuum like Mm -hmm. as an example uh, one thing you can always buy in an assassin's creed game is the time saver pack it'll show you where everything is okay because I don't want to go. I don't want to spend six hours doing a grid pattern search on an island for something, mm-hmm. because that's not what I'm there to do. I'm there mm-hmm. to experience the world. And yeah, yeah, I'll eventually get to that place you're telling me to go. But the fun is me getting there. It's not doing a, a search pattern. Uh, like an example is, I decided when I played Breath of the Wild that because I, I the first time I played it, I bounced off it because that stupid mechanic, the uh, game, everything breaks. Oh, yeah, like yeah. A swords break. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. And I wish <laughs> there was an option to turn it off. And I hate it, hate it, hate it. And so my friend said, well, go get the Master Sword. But to do that, you need to go through, it winds up being like 40 of these little miniature puzzle temple thingies. Yep. I didn't want to spend a thousand hours looking for these damn things. Right. So I played it on my television. And on my computer screen, I had a map <laughs> where it showed me where they were. There is no less challenge in trying to get to those darn things Yes. and survive in them and saying, okay, today I'm going in that direction and there's one, I'm done. Okay, I can go to that one, I'm done. I can go to that one. You know, like that to me, that's fine. That's the challenge I want is mm-hmm. getting from A to B, not trying to figure out where B is. So in my case, obviously you couldn't, I couldn't buy in game a map of where all these locations were, but I could mm-hmm. find one online. And that for me was good enough. I think that's, that's... where my tolerance was. Yeah, I, I think that that's perfectly fine, though, because there's no there's no journal entry. There's no pages that you find in, in uh, Breath of the Wild that say, well, if you go 30 paces this way and climb this rock face, you're going to find a shrine at the top. There's nothing in-game to lead you there except for you stumbling across it. You know, yeah. walking nose-first into something is is different than following uh, following directions to it. Yeah, and that can be exciting too. Like I talked about the weird glitch canyon in Origins. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was there. I picked, I figured for sure I was just going to hit the edge of the map and mm-hmm. the computer would tell me I couldn't go any further. Yeah. But I came across this kick-ass thing and I spent hours over the course of the game coming back to it again mm-hmm. and again, checking it out and going, oh, this is so cool and where does this go? And oh, here's a puzzle and oh, what does that puzzle lead me to? And oh, isn't that neat? That wasn't in, in the Time Saver pack. Mm-hmm. But the Time Saver pack saved me the misery of having to find the constellation it's, it's, right. it's a thing with constellations yeah. you have to find. I know oh, you, those. Okay. Those tell a beautiful story. They do. I enjoyed, like, or, you know, back to Breath of the Wild, when I would say, okay, here is where one of these little temples or whatever they call them, or shrines. They're shrines, called. yeah. Okay, I know where that shrine is on the map, and I would look in the game and go, okay, there it is, and you put a marker on it. Mm-hmm. I still have to get there, and that's yeah. the fun part. The challenge of getting there, you know, maybe that is just the, dif- the, the difference on the continuum between you and I is that I mm-hmm. want a little bit of help. Because mm-hmm. I'm just interested in the journey from point A to B. I, I just don't want to have to figure out where B is most of the time. Right. I don't mind stumbling across something that's a surprise. That's cool. But yeah. So one last thing that I'm going to say is good, and then I'll shut up, is that because I'm a PC gamer at heart, I expect con- control over the controls. Okay. I, want to be able, I want to be able to map every key. Yeah. Nothing pisses me off more when they say, oh, you can't, you can't remap the delete key. Mm-hmm. Why? Why not? Yeah. Well, what is special about that key? Yeah. You know, because for me, that happens to be the reload key in a shooter. 
I'm left-handed. So I don't like being told, oh, no, you don't get to choose uh, which uh, graphics to change, you know, that can be medium or high. Uh, you know, you just have to choose one setting and that's it. And, right. oh, no, you totally want to use this configuration. No, I don't. I don't mm -hmm. want to use WASD. Why would you make me do that? And I find I am intolerant of games that don't allow you to remap every key mm -hmm. because as a PC gamer, that's something I expect. And there's, I mean, I get sometimes that's not an option because they need things to play a certain way, but that's my problem. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't like being told no. I, I can think of very few reasons why you would have a PC game and not be able to remap things as you like them. Laziness I think right on the devs part? <laughs> I'm very, let me rephrase. I can think of very few valid reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's a, I don't think that's a valid reason. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're, we're moving towards a culture of video games where we have people that are physically handicapped that are yep. still playing games. And these people have to struggle immensely to play games because yep. their controls are not remappable. I know yeah, that absolutely. consoles are just now starting to develop accessible controllers. Mm -hmm. um, there, there was one that came out in, I think it was the PS3 era, and it was this wild looking thing. It was built into the, like they essentially had to re break down a, a PS3 controller and rebuild mm -hmm. it, but it had all these levers and stuff, and it was designed for people who had minimal motor control. Mm -hmm. So maybe they could only sort of flex their fingers a bit, mm -hmm. but it was designed to make them play. And when and Sony got behind this, they threw, them, they threw some money at them, I think, mm -hmm. because it allowed people who just simply are not dexterous enough to handle a normal modern gamepad the chance to play mm -hmm. and that's super important like you say for accessibility yeah you know like there's a guy out there uh, he just he, he wiped out like a hundred players in a call of duty match and oh, he's got just yeah a, the, with, with just the mouth controller like yeah good on you but how many hurdles does that poor guy have to jump through just mm -hmm. to enjoy a game and there's only so much you can do i yeah. get that like he's never going to play in assassin's creed it's never going to happen for him Mm -hmm. But why not make it as accessible as you can without turning it into an on-rails game where all you can... Like, you've seen the original Star Trek episode with Christopher Pike where all he can do is beep yes. once for yes and beep two. Like, you can't play... Christopher Pike ain't playing Assassin's Creed. I'm sorry. It's never yeah. going to happen. But you got to give the most access to the most people because everyone wants to play games. Why not let them? Yeah, absolutely. Why take away the option? especially for something simple like remapping keys. Why can't I do that? Yeah, there's there's a very, very easy accessibility thing and it's it's a 12-button mouse. Yeah, those things are insane. Yeah, so I mean, the 12-button mice are absolutely amazing. They've got 12 buttons just running down the side of them that correlate to the one through plus keys on a keyboard. Yeah. And that gives you an immense amount of remappability for but people who maybe just have one arm or players yeah. who have limited mobility. Like well, here's an example. That's unaccessible to me. Do you know why? Because you're left-handed and you'd have left to use it. I would guarantee you that if you went out, I'm sure that there's gotta be somewhere where they've made a left-handed 12 button gaming mouse. There is one, there is one. Mm -hmm. So my question is because you could simply make that something that could be made as a, 
like a, a a card with the buttons on it with you know, mm-hmm. with a contact why isn't that something you can't sort of slip out of one side flip and then slip into the other mm-hmm. like you know left and right like why not like there's nothing wrong with an ambidextrous mouse like the mouse no. i have which is mostly ambidextrous does have two buttons on the left side of the mouse but because yeah. of the way i hold the mouse because i'm a freak to begin with <laughs> um i squeeze the mouse with my thumb on one side and my ring finger on the other and my trigger finger is, you know, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm playing a video game, my trigger finger is on the right mouse button and my middle finger is on the left. But if I'm mm-hmm. just web browsing, my trigger finger is on the left mouse button. So I'm back and forth and I'm weird. But it means that those two buttons on the side, I had to deactivate them. Because you kept, I kept accidentally pressing them. I kept accidentally pressing them. That's right. annoying. Yeah. On a previous mouse, you know what I did? I popped the buttons out. <laughs> I had to destroy my own mouse. Yeah. Which is why the next mouse I bought was like this $30 piece of crap from Walmart mm-hmm. called Spiderweb or something. By the way, it's the best mouse I've ever owned, but I have to modify it. And if you can't make me something specifically for me being left-handed, then let me tinker in a way that it they can work for me. Mm-hmm. Because I not everyone is a straight, white, right-handed male who thinks a certain way and is able-bodied. Not everyone yeah. is that. No. That's why simple things like um, color-blind modes in games. Yes. Like... I get it. Not every dev knows how to do that. But if you talk to like the, you know, the Association of the Blind or whatever out there, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have some some person on staff who can sort you out. 100%. Apparently, Cyberpunk's really good for that. When it when it I, comes to gender representation, my understanding mm-hmm. anyway. Yes, Cyberpunk. Good, uh, yeah. Good for them. Yeah. There's no gender. You just you you create your guy and you choose their uh, their their um. Genitals. Uh, what are you, well, the joke. Yeah, that that is a its own thing because apparently they decided penis size was super important. You can choose their pronouns. If it's if it's a big deal, maybe it's not a big deal for 90% of the people who play this game, but mm-hmm. for the other 10% of the people, that could be a big damn deal. Yeah. Or playing I mean, the girl. Yeah. Like as, as, as time goes on, we see more, more and more companies create games that are inclusive towards more people. And mm-hmm. that can be something as simple as skin tone. I know with, mm-hmm. for example, I'll come back to this World of Warcraft uh, yep. with their last expansion. They just added Asian skin tones into the game like for the first time. I didn't realize that. Of course, I mean, it's been a long time since I played the game, but for, yeah. for humans, I, I yeah. should clarify. But like, yeah, you, there are no can... Asian orcs, really. Yeah, <laughs> go figure. Um, yeah. But well, the Sims can... did the same thing. Right? Yeah. They, they, they added like like 30 skin tones, but you could either be like African-American tones mm-hmm. or white or Asian. But there mm-hmm. are plenty of tones in between there. Yeah. You know, if you are native or if you are, uh, you know, whatever, if you are, um, you know, African and have a dark, dark, dark skin or mm-hmm. you're from the Indian subcontinent or whatever, you know, humans come in a bunch of bunch of shades. Why not do that? Yeah. Um, and the minute okay. I hear some some wanker online go, oh, that's bullshit. That's social justice warrior. It's like, OK, first off, dude, you can still choose the white male. Go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But why not give the option? Choice is never a bad thing. And maybe that's, it, you know, to sort of bring this around and shut me up and end this. It's options. Mm-hmm. Give me more options. Give me more choices. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll choose the generic one, but maybe I won't. Yeah. Maybe I'll choose the male shepherd, but maybe I'll choose the female shepherd. Mm hmm. Why not give me that option? Yeah, absolutely. I think that for me, it's just get, yeah, it's just the option. Just give people the option. If they don't want to take it, that's fine. But how much manpower did you really lose 
by creating 30 different skin tones. Yes. How much extra time did that really take out of your budget? Yeah. Or having the option of they call you him and he or she yeah. or they. Yeah. You know, and, and that's sort of it. You know, mm -hmm. like you just, it, it doesn't take a ton of effort. Like they introduced a transgender character in Star Trek Discovery. That mm -hmm. wasn't a full episode of drama. It was her saying, don't call me she, call me they. Yeah. That's yeah. it. End of story. Options are always good. And in a, in, a, in, a, in a medium where you are supposed to control a character through a story or through a war or a conquest of the universe or, or whatever, mm -hmm. more options is good. Yeah, and maybe that comes back to my complaint about control. Mm -hmm. If I don't feel like I'm in control, I don't want to play. Yeah, so that's true. I think the the last thing for me on what really makes a game good <laughs> is I need to feel satisfied when I'm done playing it. Like I, I and that's whether I, I put down the controller for the day or I uninstall because I'm done with the game. I. Yeah. If I get to the end of a game and I don't feel satisfied with, with what I either accomplished or the story that they told, then I feel like I I had my time wasted. And mm -hmm. that can come down to a bunch of different things. Like if, oh, we're, we're banking on making a sequel. Well, the game flopped, so now the story's incomplete and yeah. you just left it on a, a shitty cliffhanger. Yeah. That, that is one of the most egregious forms of it. Or if you leave... A bunch of story threads that you you teased out, told you're in the game, and and then they never never get addressed or completed. Like yeah, because they got they, the budget or something. Yeah. Yeah, like I I can understand that if it's background storytelling stuff. Ooh, this character they went off and they did other stuff. Okay, that's yeah. fine. That's not what I'm doing. What yeah. I'm doing, I want to have complete finality with. Okay. Um, and yeah. It, Mass Effect's a good example of that. You know, oh, absolutely. Like you knew there was going to be three of them, but the end of the first story is—it's a good end of a story. Mm -hmm. Like it would be a yep. great movie. And Mass Effect Two, even though you know there's going to be a Mass Effect Three, and they're building towards it, you have a satisfied ending. Yes. Um, and I absolutely agree. I hate walking away from a game thinking, "Well, that was a freaking waste of my time. What the mm -hmm. hell was I doing there?" But I feel that I, I want that even when it's for a single play session. Like right. when I load up Assassin's Creed, maybe I don't do a quest today. Maybe I chose east and road but i want right. to feel that it was worth my time man i had fun doing that yeah you know yeah i got my ass kicked but it was fun the whole time i was getting my ass kicked yeah you know that's that's one of the one of the other reasons why i love dark souls so much as i've never played that game and not felt satisfied with what i've accomplished because i can if i sit there and i grind away for an hour and i get through one pack of enemies and then I get to the next section. I'm working on learning that. You know what? I learned that first section, mm. and I can now go back and decimate it because I yeah. know it. And it's yeah. it's so satisfying. And it's that's not even from a story perspective. Like at that point, it, the story can be as much or as little as you want in those mm. games. But that's gameplay satisfaction. That feels good to do, and yeah. that's where I derive that satisfaction from. You know, it's the thing with games. Like games are. They're a pleasurable activity. It's for <laughs> fun. It's not for work. You've got to feel... It's sort of like watching a movie. I, I hate walking out of a movie going, I could literally have done anything else with my time. Yeah. You know, when we did Dungeon Master, that's a, that's a bad movie. It's a terrible movie. None of us liked it. No, God, but, no. But at the same time, we got something out of it. We, we did. had fun watching it. We had fun watching it as a group. We had fun talking about it as a group. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I just watched it on my own, it's funny just to laugh at. Yeah. Whereas if you were to put in me in front of, say, Saw, which I would never watch because it's cruelty, mm-hmm. it's torture porn, or uh, what are the other ones, the, 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 where everyone gets to kill everyone, uh, The Purge. Uh, oh, The Purge, uh, yeah. I'm not going to watch those and go, wow, what a great use of my time. I'm going to walk out of that feeling wrung out mm-hmm. and thinking, why did I do that? And I don't want that in a video game. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, I had to train myself with movies and books and video games that if I don't feel satisfied, if I'm not enjoying it, it's okay to put it down. Mm-hmm. If I don't like the book, the, the author isn't going to go hungry because I didn't finish the book. Yeah. The filmmaker doesn't care whether I like their movie or not. No, one lives, no, no movie studio lives or dies on my word. Mm-hmm. Same with a video game. If I pay for a video game and I don't like it, I can try and refund it if I've, if I've only been playing it for two hours. But even if I don't, I'm sitting thinking, okay, I spent 50 bucks on this game and I played for three hours and I just hate it. Why, why carry on? Yeah. I want to feel like you. I want to feel satisfied. I want to feel a, a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And I have felt the sense of accomplishment getting wiped out in XCOM. Yeah. Seeing the aliens win. I still feel like I had a ball watching the aliens announce we have taken over the world. XCOM is dead. <laughs> I still don't begrudge losing that game because mm-hmm. I had fun right up until the moment that they wiped out my last soldier. Right. I don't have to win. I have to walk away with a smile. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. So anything else you want to add? I mean, that's that's what I can think of off the top of my head. This has been, this has been a long enough episode as it is, and we're going to have more of these. So there'll be, yeah, there'll be more discussion and more development. And do you know what? Honestly, it it would not surprise me if over the course of doing this podcast, uh, we both wound up finding out things about our, our personal gameplay taste that, that change as we experience and explore and and discuss new things. That's why we're doing this. Yep. I want you, I want you to teach me what makes games great for you. I Mm. want to be able to impart on you what I think are great about games Mm -hmm. and hopefully they mix a little bit because then I'm going to have so many more games to try that that I wouldn't before. All right. So you're going to go back and play papers, please now. uh, Hell no. Uh, (laughs) I was about to say you're on your 35th hour of Empire Strikes Back. I know. So, (laughs) so, uh, so yeah, thanks for the discussion. And I guess there it is. There it is. There it is.